0: Welcome to BA in Science. I'm Maggie. That's Brynna. Hi. And we can't wait to tell you all about a badass human who also happened to be a scientist. I'm kind of excited for this episode today because our BA isn't, isn't necessarily super famous, but anyone who has seen Harry Potter, mm. seen something very near and dear to her heart, mm-hmm. maybe you seen mm-hmm. some of her work. Did you know that? before i did yeah uh well i don't know i might have told you about it yeah i I think i probably told you about it um and it's not in the way that people are thinking because now people are thinking like we're going to talk about oxford or
1: magic well no we're not doing any of those things so although i have been in oxford in what college is it now maudlin maybe i don't remember but i did walk in the like the cloister area where some of Harry Potter was filmed at one of the colleges at Oxford when I went there as a high school senior, whenever I did that thing. So I have done that, but that is not, like you said, what we're talking about today.
0: No. Yeah. So a totally different slant on it. So that will be very fun. We have a cool, she's a cool girl today. So let's deal with our weekly business. Okay. Please, wherever you listen, remember to rate, review, subscribe, especially on iTunes. We're on Apple music or we're on Amazon music. As Brenna said, mentioned mm-hmm. last week, we're on Spotify. Yeah. We're, like we're kind of anywhere. Everywhere. Yeah.
1: Anywhere you need. Yep.
0: Remember it just, it, it doesn't cost you anything and it just helps other people find us. So we deeply appreciate it. If you would do that. Um, and also get wherever you do listen, favorite us for sure though, because then you'll get notified when a new episode comes out, which mm, is true. like, you want to be like the first one to listen. Trust me. Um, and we post all that stuff on Facebook and Instagram and BA in Science. So if you've got something you need to tell us, you can email us at science at gmail.com. Don't forget about Patreon. I know we talk about it all the time, but that's just because we really like the episodes that we do over there because they're very fun. Yeah.
1: It's if the I- Wild West over there. So we can kind of be a little uh, looser in our definitions of literally anything we feel like. Yes. And uh, yeah. And speaking of getting... To the episode first, you can get to the episode a whole day earlier.
0: A whole day earlier. True. You and, the, patron. and you can get extra episodes. Yeah. Which are super fun. And yeah, so definitely go over there. We'll put a link to our Patreon on Facebook and Instagram, or you can just go to Patreon and search BA and Science. We're right there. It's definitely a bargain. You get amazing access to episodes and bonus shows and all things. So definitely go over there and do that we start
1: getting uh, some more patrons i feel like we just start shouting them out
0: oh yeah for sure yeah. if you become a patron we'll absolutely shout you out we'll say yeah. we'll say a big old thanks to you on the show and uh you also will be able to you also get to see other things because we, we don't post everything on facebook that we post on patreon so there's other <laughs> posts and other cool stuff that we find for you that we cultivate from mm-hmm. the depths of the internet mm-hmm. speaking of the wild west so you know it's an awesome place to be no yep. okay any addendums from last week from ms countess Lovelace?
1: uh i do feel like we referenced the end of gone with the wind the Rhett butler famous quote but yeah. i feel like we no i don't know it forgot i don't know but anyway it's not the last last line in the movie it's the last time we see Rhett butler before he walks out of her life because the last line of gone with the wind is you know after all tomorrow is another day mom of course pointed that out to us which i should know better because that's a favorite of mine so apologies to you gone with the wind fans for the misunderstanding yes that's an excellent
0: addendum to make we did misspeak there because i i also know i also know better but you know yeah so, okay. That's, that's an addendum. We didn't have anybody guess this. No, day. although dad did love the teaser. I'm sure that he did and he had lots of guesses, but none of them were right. So I hope this is someone that's, that's new for a lot of people. Cause I think she's yeah. really cool.
1: And if you didn't hear the teaser because you didn't la- listen last week, go back and listen to it because it's so punny. It's very punny. Yeah. Maybe,
0: I don't know how you, listeners out there listen to our two podcasts because there's some podcasts that I listen all the way through until they start rolling the credits
1: mm-hmm.
0: there are some that I say oh, I'm done with this and I don't listen to the whole thing so if you're one of those who just comes for a segment you know one two three and you don't listen to segment four that's totally cool. First of all, you're missing out though. And second, that's where we tease who we're going to do this week. So. Yeah. Like, listen, listen and we do it after doing.
1: sources. So maybe we lose you because sometimes we're like, ah, sources, who cares? But we always do the teaser after the sources, right? So you stick around or, you know, you can fast forward through the yeah. sources. If you don't care, you can, that's so, a cool thing.
0: This isn't talk radio. You don't have to listen to the source
1: so that you can hear all my amazing puns. Cause there are so very many of them. There's so many. I've tried so hard this season. I feel like I've done a really good job. You have done a really good job. Yeah. Yeah. There's some really good ones. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Brenna shares with me some
0: of what they will be before the episode. Like when I tell her, just so
1: I can see her face. Yeah. And she gives me that
0: look every time. And I'll make it. And I'll make it when she says it when we're recording too. So, It's it's true. So, okay. Well, that's, I think that's all I've got. Are you ready to get started on our BA today? Yeah. Let's do it. All right, let's take a break, and then I've got the bio today, so we will get started. All right, I have the bio this week, as I mentioned, uh, because our BA is a very specific kind of biologist, and biology is Brenna's purview. So I do want to get right into it, because her life story is sort of interesting. It's not uninteresting. She was an interesting person. I think I'll say it that way. So Brenna, give us a quote, and then I'll get to it.
1: Seldom has a triumphal force of mind over physical weakness been more vividly illustrated than in the case of Dr. Joan Beecham Proctor, curator of reptiles and amphibians in the gardens of the Zoological Society of London. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, Joan Proctor, as we just heard, uh, is our BA this week. And that was the opening line of an obituary actually written for her.
0: I think I read that obituary.
1: Probably. I think
0: I went to great lengths to find the text of that obituary. So we'll talk about that for sure. So yeah, snakes. You mentioned reptiles. And amphibians. And amphibians. I'm, okay, I'm ambivalent about snakes. I don't have feelings toward them one way or another. They don't disgust me or scare me really, but I don't find them super interesting either. Do you have strong feelings about snakes?
1: Mm. I mean, I didn't really like, I didn't really research snakes because she, I mean, she did have snakes, but like a lot of I, the things she's known for aren't really snakes. So I didn't really have to go down that snake hole. You didn't go down the
0: snake hole. Okay. So, no. but did you have to go down, you had to go down a lizard hole for sure, because yeah if some lizards live in holes probably. So before this, did you care at all about reptiles? Did they gross you out? Cause that like my husband, for example, does not
1: like snakes. My husband is terrified of snakes. Okay. Um, like maybe has a phobia. I'm not really sure.
0: Mm.
1: Like there could be like an itty bitty one, like
0: mm-hmm.
1: teeny tiny Maggie can see me showing it's how like small. A, it's like five inches and it's must die. Okay. Um, now, pref- well, I say that, but if it is like a black snake or mm-hmm. kinks, like, then my husband leaves those alone. Cause those are the best ones. Cause they mm-hmm. actually like kill all the bad snakes. Yes. yes. And in yes. Georgia, in Georgia, I think it's actually illegal to kill king snakes. It probably, that's f- because that feels like they're it, right? so important for the ecosystem anyway, Um, I don't really care like it's one of those like I could pet the snake at the Mm -hmm. library's demonstration or Mm -hmm. whatever I didn't care one way or the other
0: Um, so they don't bother uh, you but neither are you like clamoring to get in the doors of the reptile house at the zoo
1: well I really like the lizards that live outside our house Mm -hmm. we've got the little skinks and stuff some of those little ones yeah I like those mainly because they're good for bugs yeah Um, And they're kind of cute. I saw one the other day and he was maybe like two inches long, this little green guy and he was super cute. We've got Mm. one that's kind of like shiny blue.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, We've had to yell at our pest control before because they kept putting those little sticky traps in the garage. Yeah. And they killed like two or three lizards that way, even though we told them to stop. And the last time it happened, I actually was like almost crying. I was so upset because it was like a little teeny tiny cute baby lizard. I mean, it was probably a baby, but it was a little, little tiny lizard yeah. and it was stuck in the trap and it was still alive because I went out into the garage shortly after. It was awful. And I made my husband deal with it and he was even unhappy. And then he called the pest company and told them that, you know, you made my wife cry stop doing it. And they stopped oh, doing it. Good. Well, I, you shouldn't have had to cry, but I mean, I'm glad that the tears at least worked. So, I mean, I guess maybe I like them more than I don't like them.
0: Well, yeah. Cause I mean, lizards are useful. I mean, snakes are useful too. Some people just have really snakes are one of those things, reptiles in general, and sometimes amphibians are, are those kind of things that they can be polarizing. Are they I would be
1: less happy about finding a frog hopping around near me than like a lizard running around in my yard. Okay. All right. That's the hopping fair. hopping business with frogs is a no-go for me. Okay. That's fair. I don't um, even like grasshoppers for the same reason.
0: No, I don't like hopping spiders. I don't like spiders. In oh gym. yeah.
1: Wolf spiders scare the crap out of me yeah. because they can jump. That's not, not,
0: no, not no. okay. But no. for some reason, If you take away half of its legs and give it long ears and fewer eyes, I have no problem with the hopping because that's a bunny. That is true. I don't know why that is. That's probably a topic for another day, but, but like, but as you can see though, reptiles, people have strong opinions about some reptiles and some amphibians and either you love them or you're scared of them, or you don't care about them. Like, and. I'm probably in the minority by floating between those two very opposite ends of totally love them or hate them, scared of them. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So Joan, our BA today, happened to love them. Like love them, love, love them. Yeah, They consumed her life, I would say. Joan was born August 5th, 1897 in London. Her parents were Joseph, a stockbroker, and Elizabeth, an artist. You might wonder how someone whose parents weren't super sciencey ended up as a herpetologist, which is a reptile scientist. Uh, but maybe her grandpa had something to do with it. William, who was her mom's dad, was an amateur botanist and geologist. I tried to do a little bit of research on him, like just to see if there was more about, you know, this guy, but. I couldn't really find anything. He wasn't Mm -hmm. super famous. It's just something that he, it was just something that he did. It wasn't something that he was like, you know, a mover and shaker in. Mm -hmm. I did read though that Joan's family home was an estate with large gardens. So I imagine Gramps came over frequently and took Joan and her sister Christabel on rambles, uh, showing the girls like plants and animals around the estate because that would have been his jam. So I feel like that was, probably a thing that happened. I have nothing to back that up, except a lovely mental picture of two little girls <laughs> skipping around in lovely cultivated gardens with their elderly grandfather, as he tells them what the plants and animals are. Yeah, sure. So Christabel, her Joan's sister um, is and it's also a fun name. I, I like the name Christabel. Uh, she became a well-known gardener when she was older and she was a garden steward at Girton College, Cambridge.
1: Did you know that they used to be nicknamed flora and fauna because one of them really liked animals and one of them really liked plants? I did. I'm going to talk about that in a minute.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a good one. Because like, I thought that was really cute. And it makes sense because like a garden steward has to, has to love flowers, gardens, plants, all of Mm it. Um, Like, I wasn't sure what a garden steward actually entailed. I didn't know what that actually meant because um it was a big deal job for her to have i guess it was i mean much much to-do was made about her being garden steward at girton college cambridge so basically she was in charge of every aspect of caring for the gardens which includes planting upkeep the care the maintenance all of it nowadays you could still be a garden steward that's a job that you could Hmm. still have it deals with though like all things outdoor you're basically the butler for outside so you clean. Why isn't care. that just
1: a gardener?
0: Um, because the gardener would get directions from the garden steward. Ah, I see. Okay. like yeah. a butler. And I they, gotcha. and they, and they probably have some specialized knowledge. So, cause they, they do like care and cleaning of decks and walkways and they clear mm-hmm. dead leaves and they plant and they transplant plants and they spread mulch. And they do top dressing and weeding and pruning and outdoor pest control and lawn care and moss buildup. So there's all these things like, so a gardener is going to deal with some of those things, but Mm -hmm. most gardeners aren't specifically going to do like, it's more like a groundskeeper. But if you don't have grounds, you just have a yard, but Mm -hmm. a nice yard, you'd have a garden steward. I see. It feels like a very bougie thing to have personally, (laughs) but I don't know. If anyone out there is a garden steward, let us know what your life is like. Um, Yes. So Christabel is the plant girl. She was Flora. And then that means that Joan was the one who was nicknamed Fauna because she was into animals. Mm -hmm. But of all the animals, Joan liked reptiles the best. Now, by the time she was 10, she kept snakes and lizards as as pets. Uh, Her favorite pet was a Dalmatian. And I know you're thinking, oh, it's a cute pet, all spotty and fluffy and like rides and fire engines no it was a
1: dalmatian lizard um fun fact one dad hates dalmatians i know that That, i think of that every time it's mentioned but do you know where dalmatian dogs and i would assume lizards uh come from do you know where dalmatia is or like where the dogs originated no i guess it never occurred to
0: me to wonder about
1: that okay so over the summer i was actually visiting our parents and we were watching the Westminster dog show. Yes. And of course, you know, all the dog breeds and they always get, if you've never watched a dog show, well, what are you doing with your oh life? Oh my gosh. But what are things. you doing
0: with your life? Because yeah. the Westminster dog show and the AKC dog show, 11 out of 10 would recommend.
1: Right. It was the Westminster though, the summer, right? Yeah. yeah, like yeah. AKC in the fall AKC anyway. is in Feb- February. Okay. Oh yeah. Anyway. Um, so, you know, they always like talk about the dogs. There's that guy who's like, the dalmatian was initially bred as a blah blah dog yeah ooh, da, 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 right you know yeah. like okay but sometimes they'll say like they originate from such and such in germany whatever yeah so we we're watching and we were discussing again dad's dislike of dalmatians intense dislike. anyway we looked it up because i was like where are they from and i because i was guessing maybe like germany or like somewhere in like the prussian area er- yeah croatia
0: croatia
1: dalmatians are from croatia that area which i would have never picked so children's
0: authors out there are you listening i need a book called dalmatian from croatia immediately
1: like i feel i feel like i should have verified that fact by the time we talked about this but i really feel like i recall looking it up and determining that at least dalmatians the dog came from croatia i believe that's true Someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's true. Anyway.
0: I love it. I'm, we're going to say if they- I'm hoping didn't... the
1: Dalmatian lizard also is from Croatia. Croatia.
0: I don't know if it's from Croatia, but it is spotty. Uh-huh. So it might just have gotten named that because it looked like the spotty dogs from mm. Croatia. I don't know. Okay. okay. Because Dalmatian lizards are definitely not going to be as cuddly as their no. canine counterpart. No. Um, but that particular lizard actually would join- Joan and fam at mealtimes,
1: right there on the oh. table. See, yeah. I would draw a line there.
0: Yeah, well, you're probably wondering how her mother tolerated this.
1: Lizards outside, fine. Lizards at the dinner table, not fine. Now
0: no, I I well, okay, but here's some information you need to know. Okay, mom was probably more okay with it than dad, because dad did not like reptiles. Joan's dad, reptiles, no, that was a no-go. But if your child was sickly, you'd probably be somewhat indulgent too. Joan suffered from a chronic intestinal illness pretty much her entire life. And she did have moments of normalcy, such as like a lovely six months in Switzerland, tobogganing and doing botany and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know, like, I wanna spend six months in Switzerland doing botany. And eating chocolate, but she was for the majority of her life, just ill. She was just kind of sick all the time. And your quote from the beginning kind of alluded to that Uh because she really was sick forever. Now I looked everywhere for more info on her illness and what was going on with that, but I had a hard time finding anything. So it could have been literally anything. All I know for sure is that as a child, there were times when she was even too sick to attend school. And as an adult, she lived with constant pain. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I can I never really saw anything else to illuminate that issue either.
0: Okay, good. I'm glad that I I'm glad that it wasn't just me because I looked everywhere. That's why I got the obituary actually that um that I'm going to talk about later because I, I assumed that there had to be in her obituary a more a, a better description of her cause of death or what she had been sick with, but no. It was nothing. So, despite the fact that she couldn't go to school sometimes, she was a good student for the most part. She had some, uh, we'll say situations that she got into Mm -hmm. that were entirely her fault. She was attending St. Paul's girls school and it was right around 1913. And she would turn 16 that year. Mm -hmm. Most girls for their 16th birthdays nowadays, like you get a car or a trip, like you go on a cruise or you get clothes back then. She probably wanted to like get a husband. I don't know. But (laughs) what Joan did get was a baby crocodile. Do you know what
1: she named him? No, I didn't. Where did you find that? I could not find it. So in the back of a kid's book called Joan Proctor, Dragon Doctor. I read that. Oh,
0: well, okay. I did not. I did not get a copy of it. I had Mm -hmm. to listen to a read aloud of it. So I did not have the physical book.
1: So the back page is like a biography page and like some pictures and stuff so there's a picture and under a picture of her holding baby crocodile i think it was the baby crocodile not the dalmatian lizard i believe it was the crocodile uh ramesses it was definitely the crocodile that's i mean it makes sense it looks like it it. you know it's an old black and white picture so it's kind of hard to tell but it looks like it guess what i would imagine a baby crocodile looks like
0: i I mean it looks like a crocodile baby baby?
1: yeah i don't know anyway so ramesses
0: okay we're gonna go with that because that is totally BA. i love everything about it um she would take ramses the little baby croc on walks around the neighborhood uh which was weird in Uh itself Uh uh but then she would take little croc to math class at school oh Yeah. Uh, And that was weird too. And everybody freaked out, of course, like, and again, I'm a mathematician. And if someone rocked into my math class with a little baby crocodile, I'd have a moment. I'm not even gonna lie to you. I would definitely have a moment about that.
1: I would be okay with baby crocodile. Because it was probably, you know, small at that point. I also have a lot of questions because um, crocodiles grow up.
0: Yes. And where did it go? Not sure. I mean, and does it just roam their gardens eating yeah. small deer? Like, I don't know.
1: Like, did she? Uh, yeah, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what happened to him in his later life because that's a cute pet initially, but it did grow up. And yeah. as far as I know, crocodiles get to be like, even like the smallest ones still are like, I don't know, six feet or something, right? Yeah. Like, that's, like, even sm- be, like even small ones there, just- there, There's like a specific, species of like dwarf something or other and those ones only only are like 60. I yeah. just feel like this was a poor choice like who got her the baby crocodile but anyway I don't know I would be okay with a crocodile baby crocodile baby like baby you yeah know, a foot in arms I would much prefer somebody walk into my chemistry class with a baby crocodile than with a bird
0: that is okay that's true you would You would get that person expelled,
1: probably. I would tell them to get out of my classroom immediately. Yes. Unless it was a bird of prey and they had it like attached to their glove. Like if somebody walked into my room with a hawk, I'd be like, that's awesome. So if a parrot in plans
0: to do some falconry later,
1: Uh that'd be fine. That'd be
0: fine. But if someone came in with like a parrot. No, a parrot's a no for you.
1: Yeah. No. Yeah.
0: Okay. Even if it, even if it cussed, because I would let a cussing parrot in my class.
1: (laughs) Um, Did they, if they brought it in a cage,
0: a cage cussing parrot would be My
1: hairstylist, shout out to Crystal if she ever listens, uh, she does have a cussy parrot that she inherited from like a neighbor or something when the neighbor died or got old or something. So she definitely has a cussy parrot and she has little kids, which I think is kind of funny. Um, She's an icon. Uh, I think his name is Baby.
0: Uh, baby the cussy parrot that she inherited from her neighbor parrot.
1: yeah so if someone brought it in a cage it'd be fine but like if someone just walked into my class with like a bird that could fly around at any moment okay no
0: okay so like baby if cro- it was a pirate a, if a pirate showed you can see that
1: coming yeah no you see a baby crocodile you can see that if it's starting to like come after you and you can like get away from it because what's That's it true. gonna do like crawl after you birds where are you gonna hide that's that is true anyway that is true that's fair i'm just saying a baby crocodile would be the worst thing to walk into your math class
0: that well and like i again i wouldn't be necessarily scared i w- again i would just have a moment i would have a momentary moment yeah yeah uh but everyone there did freak out and i'm pretty sure she didn't do it again but it's hard to know for sure because This is not the only time that she had questionable pets, which we'll talk about later. Mm -hmm. So she was very smart and a good student, but she had to give up on the idea of going to university because her health just would not permit it. It just wasn't going to be a thing for her. Fortunately, while she was at St. Paul's, she had visited with a guy named, I'm going to say this wrong for sure, George. Well, if it was French, it would be Bollinger, but I think it was Bollinger because English so named George Bollinger who I'm calling Dr. B because I'm pretty sure I pronounced that wrong he was keeper of reptiles and fishes at the British Museum of Natural History and if you don't know the British Museum is 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 a big deal like a big deal it's a big huge deal yeah
1: wasn't Frank Sinatra sing about it in his song somewhere uh yeah the British Museum had Funny lost game. its charm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All
0: right. So yeah, it's pretty, It's famous. So Dr. B recognized right away that Joan had a special gift when it came to reptiles, like a lizard whisperer, She apparently. I don't know. Hmm. But he encouraged her to pursue her exploration of herpetology. And when she left school, Dr. B hired her to work with him at the museum. Mm-hmm hired is maybe generous because she didn't get paid oh yeah well so eventually she became his assistant and all of that was great and she didn't even mind that she wasn't getting paid because while she wasn't in university she was getting a lot of really good academic zoological Mm -hmm. experience She presented at least one scientific paper on pit vipers, actually, at the Zoological Society of London during that time. So she wasn't in university, but she was working with an academic guy and she was presenting papers and she was learning a lot and she was hanging out with reptiles. So, you know, she's cool with not getting paid, which is, that's great. In August 1917, she was elected as a fellow of the Zoological Society. And she was only 20. So that's pretty rad. She, she, she was doing it. She had a good, she had a really good mentor. Dr. B was excellent. Now, three years after that, Dr. B retired and Joan took over as caretaker of the collection that she had learned basically inside out while working with Dr. B. And since she was in charge, guess who was getting paid? That's right, Joan. She finally was getting paid for all of the work that she was doing with the reptile collection. So, yay. So she's cruising along at the museum for a few more years, writing papers and other stuff that Brenna will probably talk about in June, 1923, Joan was elected as a fellow of the Linnaean society, which is the world's oldest active society devoted to natural history. And Brenna, are you going to talk about that at all?
1: Mm, very briefly. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Well, cause it's, um, it's named after Carl Linnaeus who we will be covering. And I, that episode might end up with an explicit tag because there is no good way to talk about some of the stuff that he did and we got to talk about it so
1: fantastic
0: yeah it's it's wild he's wild but anyway 1923 was actually a busy year for joan because she made a rather significant job change so dr b had a son edward he and joan were pals Eddie worked at London Zoo, and he was the Zoological Society's curator of reptiles since 1911. In 1923, he was working on the new aquarium at the zoo, and he had his hands full. It was a gigantic undertaking, huge process, big deal. Joan assisted him since they were pals, and eventually the aquarium job became basically his full-time job. It was like a full-time thing. And he needed someone to take over with the reptiles because he simply couldn't do everything. So Joan got appointed curator of reptiles and went to work at the zoo. Mm -hmm. So, and she was completely thrilled about it because evidently being a woman and working for the museum was Hmm. not fun. So I think that she benefited from a little bit of a buffer when she was working under Dr. B. But then when she was in charge, I think people just kind of treated her like garbage because that's what some people did and some people still do to women who are in the sciences. So congrats, Joan, you're, you're a standard issue female in science. Some people have a hard time with it. And apparently people at the British Museum were some of them. So she quit that job, bye, and went to work at the zoo with reptiles. Joan did a lot of cool stuff at the zoo and I'm leaving a lot of that to Brenna because it's sciencey and professional. What I would like to talk about is Joan's absolute refusal to have normal pets. So remember the Dalmatian lizard and the baby crocodile named Ramses. Yeah, okay. So Joan continued to make real questionable choices about the pet she kept. It wasn't 100% her fault, as we'll see, but I don't know if I'd want to keep a man-sized venomous li- lizard as my emotional support animal, which mm. is what she did. So as some of you may know, I don't even know if you know this. Did you know that a Komodo dragon is my favorite zoo animal? No. Komodo dragon is my favorite zoo animal and my personal favorite reptile and Joan loved them too. I don't want to be friendly with them because, as I said, man-sized, venomous lizard. No. I we'll love them a lot. Yeah, good. Uh, but they're neat. They're very cool. And I'm, I'm excited for you to talk about them because they really are fascinating. So, the London Zoo got two of them in 1927 and they were the first ones in Europe. Uh, but briefly just so you know what we're dealing with here these lizards were seven feet long and pretty much in london you don't
1: have a lot of seven foot lizards what happened to her crocodile Uh, again also maybe roaming london but anyway could be i
0: don't know i really want to find that news story if that's what happened so at any rate, even if the baby crocodile who was now grown up, even if Ramses the crocodile was roaming around London, <laughs> that was only the one seven-foot lizard, sure. right? So these two show up and it kind of blew everybody's mind. So the pair of them were placed in Joan's reptile house, but soon it was obvious to Joan for sure that one of them, whose name was Sumbawa, wasn't well and nobody mm. knew what was wrong. So Joan, the BA, just swans into the enclosure and gets six keepers who were not happy about being selected, let me assure Mm -hmm. you, uh, to help her get Zimbabwe to the clinic. She was like, no, I got to examine this. I got to examine this guy. Something's not right. We'll figure it out. He hadn't been eating. And when animals don't eat, that is always a bad sign. Mm -hmm. So um, and he was sick enough. He was so sick that this gigantic lizard just put up with Joan examining him like it was no big deal, which again is not a thing that Komodo dragons do. So when she's examining him, she found that he had a sore, a really bad sore in his mouth. Hmm. And so all Joan had to do was like fix that up. And Sumbawa was so happy he licked her right on the face. That's gross. It is. I have to be honest, I'm not a fan of anything licking me like i put up with it from mammals like puppies and whatever i'm drawing the line at thank saliva from a komodo dragon that's do your kids lick you do they count as mammals my kids lick me they yeah they do anika licks me in church sometimes okay yeah because i'll put I my hand because for- i'll put my hand by her mouth to tell ah. her to shh, and then just ah. like i'll get licked right on the hand which
1: i ah. absolutely detest i ask for kisses and then you get licks just, yeah they just lick me so I have to threaten them before I ask for a kiss. If you lick me, there's no X, Y, Z, whatever punishment I think of at the moment tomorrow. Yes. And then they do not lick me, but they think it's funny.
0: Yeah, apparently licking is hilarious. It's not, it's gross. <laughs> and, and especially from- From a Komodo dragon. A Komodo dragon, again. So no thank you saliva from a Komodo dragon. That's, that's a no. Um, a part of the reason he was chill enough, docile enough, for this whole thing to go that well is because he was well-fed, in no danger, in a really good environment. So he wasn't feeling particularly defensive. Like he didn't feel like he needed to protect himself. <laughs> Speaking of puppies, Joan said they could no doubt kill one if they wished or give a terrible bite. But if they're given good care and good food and handling, they're as tame as dogs and friendly and all that.
1: Yeah, okay. And
0: mm, I, no, Joan, no. Just we'll no. We'll talk some more about him. Good. Well, Sambawa in particular adored Joan. So he would just like walk around with her when she was making the rounds at the zoo. She'd steer him by holding his tail.
1: I feel like you could have at least, I don't know. Can you leash a Komodo dragon? Do they make Komodo dragon leashes?
0: She had a leash for Ramsey's the crocodile. How do you think she walked oh. him around the neighborhood? No,
1: that's true. But maybe
0: she felt weird giving Ramsey's leash to Simbawa, You know, mm, like, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm going to post a picture. I found it took me forever, but I found a picture of this. Um, but kids would just walk up to him and pet him right Mm -hmm. on the face and say, hi, I have a picture of a Mm two-year-old petting Zimbabwe the Komodo dragon. Um, and he was super friendly. He was so friendly. In fact, that she took him on the road. Mm -hmm. In 1928, she was giving a talk at a scientific meeting of the Zoological Society. The subject was, of course, Komodo dragon. So Joan was like, Samoa, road trip, let's do this. And uh, so she's given the talk and she just lets him wander around while she's speaking. And he would come back to her on stage occasionally for a pat on the head and a pigeon snack, which Brynna is thrilled about probably, but Tesla would not have been. Sorry, Nick. Doesn't bother me any. No. So, but she leaned into her eccentricities pretty hard. She in no way tried to be, pretend for a second that she wasn't weird. And that was fine. Like, it's good. Be weird. I love it. It's weird that you have a Komodo dragon for a pet. Do it. It's great. Now, Joan was gaining notoriety by this time for obvious reasons. I mean, I would talk about a zookeeper who wandered around with a gigantic lizard everywhere. I mean, definitely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, Simbawa did live in the zoo. He didn't live at home with her, but she did keep dangerous snakes, specifically, in her drawing room, in her house. I think. Pythons? I think it was pythons, yes. Yeah, I think it's pythons. python. Uh, she also had a pet chimpanzee named Johnny. I have some stories about Johnny. Oh, good. Okay, good, good, good. Uh, she was doing all kinds of art and science stuff. She was super busy, but she was also sick. Uh, She was so used to being sick that it tended not to slow her down, even when she had to have surgery a couple of times. Sometime in 1928, Joan told the president of the Zoological Society, who was a duke, that she needed to resign, and he was like, nope. But there was a new zoo being built at Wipsnod, which is a super small village outside of London, and and it still exists to this day. Are you going to talk about Wipsnod at all? No, it's like the biggest deal zoo in England. It's, hmm. it's amazing. Yeah. I did a whole bunch of research. I'll talk about it in the legacy section. Um, so Joan went to Whipsnud, and there is this place called Hall Farm to kind of recover from her illness, um, which I think by this time was cancer. Okay. Yeah. So every morning she would ride on a donkey or a pony from Hall Farm to the edge of the Downs. Which like was kind of a low key form of exercise. She needed to get out and like move around and stuff. The track she followed still exists within Whipsnid Zoo, and they named it in her memory, called Miss Jones Ride. Oh, I, I know it's adorable. It's really I like cool. that. So yeah, go for sure. Go to the Whipsnade Zoo. I'll talk about it here. Go to the Whipsnade Zoo website in the UK. It's spelled Whipsnade, but it's that's not how it's pronounced. It's Whipsnid. And it's the largest zoo in the UK, actually. And again, their website's really cool and they have lots of amazing animals. So yeah, I like I poked around their website and it was awesome. So now, lest you think that her illness caused any real disruption to her BA ways, you may put your mind at ease. I found a story in one source that talked about the time that Joan was, quote, surprised to say the least, by an actual brown bear wandering up the steps of the Hall farmhouse.
1: Oh, Did you see the story? I did see this, yeah.
0: Yeah, the bear was covered in all kinds of paint. I have no idea why. No one one said anything. Uh, So Joan does what every reasonable human being would do and runs away. Just kidding. She offered it some honey and it followed her to a lavatory where she shut it in and then got someone to deal with it. This lady stresses me out.
1: Maybe the bears in England are friendlier?
0: This one was friendly enough to, well, I mean, I guess if you're waving honey at it, but And then she just locked it in the toilet and was like, I'll be back. I'm going to get someone to deal with you.
1: Maybe it was a baby. No, that probably would have been worse. It would have been a lot worse because Mama would have showed up
0: for sure. Hmm. Yeah. So again, she stresses me out. But aside from the occasional brown bear, apparently her time at was pretty chill, but she was only going to recuperate so much. Eventually, back in London, she continued to work around the zoo, but this time she had like a little electric wheelchair to zip around in uh, because she was an electric one. It said electric. And I couldn't, I didn't, I couldn't verify. Mm. Again, it was hard to find. I I don't know when electric wheelchairs became like the thing available. Yeah, because this was before the 1930s, but they had batteries uh, like they had batteries in the 1700s. So it's not like outside the realm of possibility, but i i couldn't find a lot on make model I mean, I you know
1: they have car, i mean they got cars so i mean i guess why not a wheelchair why not an electric wheelchair for sure interesting
0: yeah um so of course though simba Sambawa was still with her uh, which is an awesome mad lib the lady in the electric wheelchair had a seven foot komodo dragon on a leash yeah it's true. ridiculous Joan's health was continuing to deteriorate and then eventually Joan lost her fight with cancer. She died in her home on September 20, 1934 at the age of only 34, Yeah, which is so young. It's so young. Yeah. And she never married or had children of her own. Um, but she did host tea parties at the zoo for children and Zimbabwe would always attend. And apparently he had nice manners. I don't mm-hmm. know. She was mourned by many, including Dr. B's son, Eddie, who wrote a lovely obituary that I got some of my info from. And from that's the quote. Uh, that, yeah. read you, that It's from Eddie's obituary. Mm-hmm. She's been commemorated in a lot of ways, but I want to save that for our last segment. Okay. Yes. So, and that is what we know about Joan Proctor. And not a lot is written about her, unfortunately. That child's book yeah. that we'll talk about in sources, but it was hard to find a lot of information on you know, what she was like. like her, it's like, we don't have correspondence. We don't have family and friends. So, so yeah, that was, what, that was what I found on Joan. All right. So I'm ready to hear more about Komodo Dragons and apparently Johnny the chimpanzee.
1: I got a story about Johnny, yeah.
0: I'm thrilled. So let's take a quick break and uh, then we'll do some science. All right. Okay, Brenna, we need to take a minute to tell everybody about Proton Guru and the MCAT ladder.
1: Yeah, we definitely do. It's an MCAT test prep program like no other. MCAT prep can be super expensive, but this is prepared by a group of passionate faculty who really want to keep costs low.
0: The big thing about the program, though, is how good it is with really excellent concept explanations and visual learning. Thousands of practice questions with explanations plus full MCAT practice tests.
1: If you've ever looked into the MCAT, you've looked around for complete programs that are made by actual experts. These courses cost thousands of dollars, which make it super impractical for the average person.
0: MCAT Ladder, though, has over 100 full scholarships available now for both self-paced programs you can start anytime, as
1: well as for intensive and boot camp type programs with dates throughout the year. Right. The whole idea behind Proton Guru and MCAT Ladder is high quality MCAT prep that's accessible to more people, not just those who can afford thousands of dollars.
0: So go on over to ProtonGuru.com and check out all the amazing stuff that's there. Current scholarship applications are due October 9th. With MCAT Ladder, it's all about reaching down to help others climb up, which is a very badass thing to do. Okay, Brenna, I am ready to hear about reptiles and maybe a little herpetology, which is not, as so many people on the internet seem to think, about STIs.
1: What? People don't really think that do they
0: people absolutely think that herpetology is the study of herpes it is <laughs> not the study of herpes
1: oh boy okay let me
0: assure you so yeah why don't you go ahead and tell us what it is the study of
1: okay yeah so i will talk a little bit about it talk a little bit about some of the reptiles that were um, maybe bigger players in joan's life and mm-hmm. a little bit about her work at the zoo um and so on so Herpetology, by definition, is the branch of zoology concerned with reptiles and amphibians. Mm -hmm. But we just tend to hear more about her snakes and her lizards and the crocodile and the Komodo dragon. So we tend to associate her more with just reptiles. So she did do some work uh, related to like frogs and amphibians, but she was in charge of the reptile house and uh, just kind of that seems to be more that she was more of what she was interested in okay so i'm ignoring for the most part the amphibian side of her work today um you know so we're just starting with some fun reptile facts okay first i want to mention that i was watching a video from the cincinnati zoo of one of the animals i'm going to talk about but the guy the zoo keeper whatever he was pronounced it reptile Reptiles. And I was wondering if I have been pronouncing reptiles wrong my entire life or if this guy was just really weird. But yeah, he kept talking about the reptiles and it was weird. It's not reptile. Okay. I just, you know, confirming. I,
0: I've never heard someone say reptile. I've never heard, because we're going to go to the reptile house. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh,
1: yeah. Anyway, reptiles. Let's talk about reptiles because,
0: you know, that's how you say
1: it. Yeah. Um, How many species of reptiles do you think there are in the world? Like in the whole world? Yeah. How many species? That's your guess.
0: Okay. So this guess is based on a very basic knowledge of biology, just reptiles. Uh, reptiles.
1: Or reptiles.
0: Reptiles reptiles and reptiles. (laughs) I'm going to say 200. Species. Yeah. Uh,
1: there are 11,570. Okay. That's not
0: species. That's just like, there are three of this one thing. Like, I don't like how, I don't like how science splits things into species anymore. There are too many.
1: Um, what seems crazy to me about this is that I had like some books I went to the kids section because mm-hmm. those are like good places to find if you want fun facts right yeah look off it's some like reptile fun fact books but anyway um, one that was like published in 2015 and the number of species at that time in 2015 was only like 8,000 something.
0: That's what so I'm like, saying. They where
1: keep... did we find 3,000 more species in seven years? Now, this was the reptile database, which I don't know what this thing is or how reliable. But anyway, if, a, if multiple books, at least from the mid 2010s, is that how we say that? Is that how sure. we're saying that? Uh, say that there's at least 8,000 or 9,000. I mean, we're still up there in the ballpark of eight nine maybe upwards of that
0: but still like i would be interested to see how many there were in the 1990s because they've changed yeah, no, the way no, that they classify look. a species what a species is in the last probably 30 years so well, that's what i'm saying well, they're probably
1: i have a few i have a few thoughts about species and all the
0: oh good I mean, so. oh anyway. good 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 okay. good
1: Anyway, um, but did you know, these are just some reptile fun facts. Did you know, apparently in the Middle Ages, people thought that the crow of a rooster was the only way to kill a basilisk, like, you know, like Harry Potter.
0: I did. I did know that. Crow of a rooster. Yep.
1: Um, Also, there's a reptile called the Mexican mole lizard. And it basically looks like a big old worm, but it has just two little front legs. No. Okay maybe google it or maybe we'll post a picture but like i'm not a huge again not a huge reptile fan but there's something about the mexican mole lizard it's kind of cute like it's almost kind of cute that's like, a I bold think Maggie, statement I think Maggie's I'm, gonna google it like right i'm googling
0: now. it in real time mexican it's the
1: mole lizard
0: the mexican here hit me with another fact while i look up this
1: okay Um, So let's go to the other extreme being totally disgusting. Some lizards can shoot smelly streams of blood out of their eyes at predators.
0: No, no, (laughs) no, nope, nope, nope. nope. Oh, it is cute. Okay, the Mexican can confirm. The Mexican mole lizard is adorable.
1: Kind of cute with its two little legs. Two
0: little tiny T-Rex legs.
1: I know, right? And he's so little, aw. He's so little and cute, right? Yeah. So one of the kids books I had had this Mexican mole lizard in there and of course it's illustr. this this book that I was reading was illustrations and the little illustration was so cute and I was like oh that looks like a cute little thing but I was like okay in real life it probably isn't that cute and then I googled it I was like oh they are kind of that cute
0: it very much is that cute we'll definitely post a picture they you can even one of the things that came up in the images is that you can even specifically search cute mole lizard pictures so mm-hmm. I mean, oh, and they definitely are the cutest ones. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. I'd much rather probably encounter one of those than a lizard that can shoot smelly streams of blood out of its eyes.
0: Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah.
1: So there's a lot of really amazing things that reptiles and amphibians and obviously all animals, but we're going to focus on reptiles, um, that reptiles can do and different ways they survive in their given environments. All very cool. But I do want to spend a little bit more time talking about Komodo dragons because we obviously heard all about Sumbawa and his, the um, other one was Sumba. So yes. it was Sumba and Sumbawa. So mm-hmm. Komodo dragons, as Maggie mentioned, are pretty rad. Um, the last time we went to the zoo, it's been a while, but that was one that held my daughter's interest as well. Like yeah. She was kind of fascinated by how it looked and everything. Actually, I read her the Joan Proctor Dragon Doctor book
0: mm-hmm. and
1: she thought it was interesting. Oh, good. And then she proceeded to watch some Lion Guard show or something. And there's a Komodo dragon in there. And she was like, mommy, it's Komodo dragon, like in the book. It's like, okay. So she okay. paid attention. Learning. Learning happened. Check, check. Okay. So Komodo dragons are the largest lizard in the world while yeah, they are living. Because did dinosaurs count as lizards? It's murky. Okay. So the largest living lizard. Yes. In the world. Okay. Just then we don't have to figure that out. Yes. So they can get up to about 10 feet long, though the range for full grown lizards is like on average six and a half feet. But yeah, again, six and a half to 10 feet, kind of whatever. Okay. And on average, they weigh like 150 or so pounds. But I read there was one recorded that was 10.3 feet and 366 pounds. No, like, Oof. stop eating so many monkeys, my dude. Like, like, for real, like, do we and that was just recorded. And so um, they they think that in the wild, they might actually be able to grow even bigger. Cool. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. But males tend to be bulkier. Like mm-hmm. that is the actual, in quotes, bulkier. That is the word that I read than Robust. Female. Uh, yeah, maybe robust, <laughs> but basically determining the sex is tricky, even for human researchers to do. I mean, also who wants to try to sex a lizard? Because I don't at all. I don't want to, but you know, I do love though, like one of my sources was the Smithsonian's National Zoo and Conservation Biology Institute page. Mm-hmm. They write the dragons themselves appear to have little trouble, trouble figuring out who is who. Oh, well, I certainly hope
0: so, because so, that can know, get very no awkward very quickly.
1: We can't figure out what they are, but they can. So, you know, That's all fine. well.
0: I feel like I watched an episode of Dirty Jobs with Mike Rowe where he had to sex crocodiles or alligators, and it was just as outrageously weird as you <laughs> think it is and very funny because he's funny. So I think okay. that was a thing I've seen. And it's probably it's to- the same with Komodo dragons. so that'd be a no.
1: I used to remember we had a family friend growing up. They had rabbits at their mm-hmm. house because they had kind of, kind of farm, whatever. And I remember every time their rabbits had a litter and it was like they had to wait a certain amount of time before they sexed them because they had to know what they were. And I remember like we were going to keep one and we didn't know whether it was a boy or a girl for a while. And yeah, anyway, yeah, um, it doesn't feel like it's a job I want, but anyway. Yeah. Komodo dragons um, are obviously found on the island of Komodo, which is in Indian Indonesia. Um, But there are, I think, three other islands that they have been found. But maybe they're not on all of them at this point, because you know they're kind of they're not they're not extinct. Obviously, they're not. I don't even think they're endangered. But there was a period of time where it was like not a great population amount for Komodo dragons. Like you know, Um, they can and will eat pretty much any meat. Cool. Um but they'll also scavenge carcasses as well, mm. which I didn't know. Interesting. So they are like a lion and a hyena? I don't know. Again, we just had to watch a lot of Lion Guard so those are in my head.
0: Yeah. Right. We watched Lion King 2 today and I, it's I mean, the first one was Hamlet, the second one's Romeo and Juliet and here I am hmm. not understanding why Disney can't get off of Shakespeare with Lions. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, they should keep that theme going. Okay. Um, I would definitely watch
0: a lion-themed Taming of the Shrew.
1: That is the exact play that was in my head. Is it now. really? Yeah. 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 I don't know why, but it that would make sense, though. I don't know. I don't know. You tame a lion, but it's a shrew. I don't know. Anyway. Don't know. Anyway. Um, as young lizards, rodent, snakes, birds are like kind of the standard fare, but as they get bigger, they'll go for monkeys, goats, boar, deer, and even water buffalo, apparently. Whoa. Yeah, or even other Komodo dragons, because I did read that they are cannibalistic.
0: They are.
1: Doesn't make sense to me, but maybe it's like, maybe it's the young baby dragons that are most likely to get killed. Like they kind of weed out the weak ones. I don't know. I don't understand because there's other times where they will share a, a kill well and you said
0: that they scavenge so maybe that's maybe some, one of them died and they're willing to eat it yeah, you know okay. i don't know if, okay you know because right. okay, in that way then, then it's not necessarily a prey animal it's okay. garbage disposal
1: i mean kimono dragons are apex predators like there's nothing mm-hmm. like in their natural habitat that is above them right so i don't i don't know why they would i, I don't know but I do know that the young ones, when they're, when they are small, they actually climb up in the trees and live in the trees, um, for a while to try to stay safe Wow! because obviously a 10 foot, 366 pound Komodo dragon's not living in the trees. So no. like at a certain point, they basically, basically it's like once they've grown up enough where they won't get like, I guess, eaten immediately or something, they come back down and then they live on the ground for the rest of their life. They do start It's a really
0: good food. reason to not go to Indonesia because- a lizard could just crawl out of the tree like no yeah I don't know that worries me more than birds
1: Mm. yeah I don't mm. well I don't know birds whatever um so how do the Komodo dragons take down like such large mammals I mean yes they are they can be pretty big but have you seen a water buffalo like they're big big. water
0: buffalo are big and mean and, and like mean, komodo yeah. dragons are part are monitor lizards they're like joanna you know they're low to the ground
1: yeah remember joanna right. from rescuers down under yeah like i do eggs. vaguely remember that yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah
0: yeah so they're low to the ground and yeah. water buffalo are not
1: right um so they're not super fast um i read that the top speed is like somewhere between 10 to 13 miles per hour but only for like very brief spells
0: that's a sprinter okay so
1: they have to be very sneaky so I read that they will spend hours in one spot along the trail of like whatever they're tracking, mm-hmm. just waiting for something to come by. And if something does come by, they're basically just hoping to bite it because, and here's where we get a little uh, controversy here. There, there's debate about how that bite will actually kill. We'll get into it in just a second but it can take up to four days actually after a bite for an animal to die. So the dragon just waits for that to happen and tracks the smell of the dead animal. Like they have a, a way that I think I've read somewhere. I've read different things like two miles somewhere. I read seven miles, but like there's a fairly large radius that they wow. apparently can smell the dead animal. Wow. I do, they have a like Jacobson's,
0: is, do they have a Jacobson's organ?
1: Uh, I don't know. We'll leave that to our research team. What is a Jacobson organ? A Jacobson's organ is a thing that
0: some animals have that helps them smell really well. That's a really horrible, horrible definition of it. Let me assure you that definition was garbage. But
1: I just feel like it's not a super efficient way to get food if you have to wait four days. But I guess that's probably with like larger animals, probably with smaller animals. They can probably get it and kill it quickly, I would think. Because I read like they'll eat like small stuff mm-hmm. kind of frequently, but then they'll get like a big feast, you know, big kill, and then they're kind of good for a little bit. So it's oh, not like they okay. have to take down a water buffalo like daily to survive. No, or
0: they would do that. Like mm-hmm. kind of like snakes do. They'll eat something big and then just like enjoy it for a while. Yeah. Um, and um, a, a better definition of a Jacobson's organ. So our research team isn't scrambling mm-hmm. mom and dad. Thanks. It's a patch of cells in the nasal chamber that detects heavy moisture borne odor particles. Hmm. So snakes, amphibians, there are some mammals that have Jacobson's organs. Okay. It just, it, it enhances your sense of smell. So I bet like- they have one.
1: It feels like if you're Googling that, you could have just Googled if they have one. But anyway. I mean, in Komodo. Okay. So let's talk about them a little bit more in terms of- Yes,
0: they do have a Jacobson's organ. It's on the roof of their mouth.
1: All right. Fantastic. Now we know. Yes. So um, their teeth are serrated, which- um,
0: That's horrible.
1: Yeah. So again, this is, this gets kind of, okay, this is complex. So if the- The teeth are serrated. The serration would allow meat to kind of like stay in the teeth. Yes. Which would then allow a bunch of really disgusting bacteria to build up because you've just got like dead flesh, like rotting in their teeth. Yes. They don't floss as far as I know. No. So I wouldn't want to floss a Komodo dragon. Yeah. So they have found up to 50 or 60 different bacterial strains in these guys' saliva and a lot of those are super septic or could be septic so um despite a lot of evidence that theory that like bacterial sepsis is the cause of these animals death from the komodo dragon bite because uh-huh. the bite isn't that powerful right that's kind of been accepted as a killing mechanism okay so but you get a
0: bit there's germies in the saliva the you kill, kill you, kill you, you and, and you it, die four days later.
1: later right you die okay. from the infection okay that's kind of like been accepted for a long time and in a book I read for 2017, they straight up are like, nope, it's only venom that causes the prey to go into shock and prevents blood clotting. And, and that's what
0: kills them. Wow. Only venom. Because yeah. I knew they were venomous, mm-hmm. but I didn't know that this guy said only venom.
1: Wow. Well, so, so that's, again, so this book from 2017 says what kills a Komodo dr- or what does the, uh, how do they kill these animals? Venom. Okay. Wow. So, And I don't know, it was, again, it was a kid's book. So did they oversimplify just to keep it straightforward? I don't know. I went down a rabbit hole, okay, mm-hmm. about their venom and saliva. And I read a few different articles, which were really long, really not overly exciting, but here's what I got. And someone who was a Komodo dragon expert, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but this is kind of what I took away from it. It still, it feels like some people still say that bacterial sepsis is a mechanism by which dragons can kill their prey. But others say that like bacterial sepsis may happen, but it's not the actual cause of death. Like it might like also occur in this animal because their saliva is yucky, but it's the bite of venom, like with venom itself that Mm -hmm. will ultimately kill the animal. It Um, it wasn't until 2009, as far as I could tell, um, that we actually discovered and understood that Komodo dragons even had venom. Like they did MRIs on preserved dragons or something. And we're like, oh, like that, that was like a venom sack or something or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think scientists are actually still like 2009 was yesterday, honestly, if you know, you're old like me, but
0: if you're in really, your mid thirties, 2009 was last year.
1: Yeah. It was like a couple of years ago, maybe. But still in terms of studying something like this, which is probably fairly complex, like, I don't know, you know, like how many people in the world are out there researching this? So, you know, I think they're still working on it. Okay. I do too. I would say so. But like one study they did, they took Komodo dragon saliva. So like to prove this bacterial sepsis thing, Mm -hmm. they took Komodo dragon saliva injected mice with it and the mortality rate was pretty high but like I don't know how I feel about that proving their their point that saliva kills you because like if you inject any animal with another animal saliva does that end well I'm not a biologist so like what do I know I
0: I feel like there's a lot of problems with that experiment I I feel like
1: there's a lot of variables like how do you know it was just the bacteria in the saliva I don't know and like to inject I, I just I mean i guess when you bite then you're but you're not injecting like how much they inject like a lot because that can't be i don't Cause know like a I whole syringe not... full like i feel like <laughs> i like, could yeah, i would i
0: would die from that i'm dying know. from it right now with the thought <laughs> of it it's
1: gross yeah it's really gross so i mean you can like you can find papers people have been trying to study this and understand like what exactly it is i mean look bottom line y'all don't get bit by a komodo dragon yeah okay? I mean you're not likely to die we'll talk a little bit about them later but you're not likely to die but i don't recommend it okay no so in captivity these guys live on average 25 years but scientists think they may live maybe up to twice as long um, in the wild because again like you know we can keep track and like celebrate their birthdays when they're living out in the island or whatever right but back in July, when I first started researching Joan, I found out that Bubba, the Komodo dragon at the San Antonio Zoo, mm-hmm. had just died at the age of 28. Oh, sad. Ever been to the San Antonio Zoo? There's a good chance you saw Bubba. Like, if you are alive and listening to this and went to the San Antonio Zoo, like, I don't know, maybe a pretty good shot that you saw Bubba if you've been there. So, R.I.P. Mm-hmm. Bubba. Live to be 28 in captivity. Yeah. Um, Did you know that an expedition in 1926 to capture the Komodo dragons was actually what inspired King Kong? No. Yeah, that's what I read. That's fascinating. Yep. Like the 1933 movie, like that, the expedition and whatever expedition in 1926 to capture Komodo dragons, like that was what inspired King Kong.
0: Okay, that actually is interesting. And I feel like that is true because the newer version of King Kong with Tom Hiddleston and Jennifer Lawrence and Samuel L. Jackson's in it, I think. Kong
1: Island or whatever. Kong Island,
0: that's the one. That Spoiler cool? alert. The, there are oh, evil venom spitting lizards, oh. giant evil venom spitting lizards on that island. Mm-hmm. So if, if that's part of the King Kong lore, then, then I totally, then they probably use that for the movie. Like I totally believe that. Yeah. Interesting. I like that.
1: Yeah. Um, I really like, I've read a lot about Komodo dragons, um, but I do want to finish up talking about them and then move on to our other main reptile today and then whatever. So remember Maggie talked about some chilling with the audience at the ZSL meeting mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So in the paper, regarding um that presentation like that um was kind of like a summary i guess of the meeting joan wrote as it is true that most species of varanus which is the komodo dragon species are very savage and when large dangerous to handle it seems amazing that the largest of them all should be so tractable and easily tamed the accompanying text figure shows a baby two years old patting some baba so i saw this paper and it has that picture in it that you're yes about. that's where i had to find it mm-hmm. yeah It is a perfectly genuine photograph and no precautions were taken. Sumbawa would tear a pig to pieces, but she can be trusted with children, which seems to show a high order of intelligence. No. I
0: I don't think there's correlation there. I I don't think that that's...
1: I... That's not know that I agree with that either I don't That's think dodgy. it's something to brag about that we are like hey here two year old hang out with it. you know. Um, so let's talk about it a little bit more I did read a paper called beware of the dragon a case report of a Komodo dragon attack Yeah. which I mean it'll be in sources, um, but like warning it contains some pretty gnarly pictures of dragon bites on human flesh okay yep um so I wasn't expecting that I was like looking at it and then my kids were in the room they weren't like paying attention but I started scrolling I was like okay don't want that because you know my six-year-old is kind of like mommy what's that mommy what's that so I didn't want to explain it to you yeah no um so it's pretty you know intense if you are squeamish about that so don't like go stumble upon that and like yeah no or go check it out if you want to see some pretty gnarly pictures uh those of
0: you that are into that here's here's a good place to up. find them it'll be in the sources
1: and then i read another article called the most infamous komodo dragon attacks of the past 10 years mm. so dragon attacks are rare but they do happen so just a couple examples in 2007 an eight-year-old boy was killed on komodo island which was actually the first human fatality in 33 years wow so um, there was a 31 year old who died in 2009 from an attack of two dragons, I guess they, they were hunting together. Oh, okay. Um, then that same year, one of the guides on Rinka Island, cause there's several islands over there. So Rinka Island went to his office, which was built on stilts to help protect from dragons who like to like hang out below waiting for food. Okay. And I read that like, supposedly like the janitor had left the door open the night before, And so this guide comes in, he sits down at his desk and there's a dragon at his, like under his desk. But I feel like if you built it on stilts, like, didn't you like have a ladder to get through? You like put a ramp, like what would be the point of putting it on stilts? I don't know, but somehow a dragon got into his office and attacked him. Um, He survived actually, but it did not like, it's a pretty intense story in terms of like how it went down. So yeah, that's crazy um and there have been two attacks in the united states one on a zookeeper mm-hmm. and then one on sharon stone's ex-husband i heard that yeah he had like one of those you know those like close encounter things yeah. or something it's like she kind of like arranged for him to get to go behind the scenes. yeah it's, it's like, like you, can, you
0: can pay to do that with penguins you, they, yeah. we have at our zoo we have I've a red that. panda and a penguin experience i have
1: had a one-on-one with a penguin yeah um but anyway the the komodo dragon attacked him and uh i'm sure that was a little too close of an yeah that's for him pl- that's he was okay enough. as well i mean again he had severe bites but he was okay because i don't think it was i don't want to say it was a baby but i think it was a younger dragon so i don't know that it was as big that's probably why it bit him i feel like older dragons are probably a lot more chill about things yeah maybe i don't know so i just i don't know Kom- komodo dragons are really fascinating and you know the fact that she kind of walked around and steered one around is just kind you can of see why they are my favorite zoo animal. Yeah, kind of cool. So yeah, those komodo dragons. But another animal that Joan was very interested in and did a lot of work with um, is a tortoise that has a bunch of synonyms, but commonly it's known as the African pancake tortoise. Mm. And I want to talk about this guy for a couple minutes because he's kind of interesting too. Because she wrote a big paper on him and. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about tortoises in the legacy. But okay. a pancake tortoise is a reptile, according to the guy at the Cincinnati Zoo. Yuck.
0: <laughs> I don't like that. Uh, I don't like how that sounds. Reptile. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. But it's named this way because it's flatter than most tortoises. Makes sense. Which if you are a parent with kids who like to watch Peppa Pig, I always want to say tortoises because that's how they say it. Because tittles
0: the tortoise
1: it's a tortoise. yes um yeah. he climbs trees yes <laughs> he's a
0: naughty tortoise
1: <laughs> exactly yeah yep. Yep. that's what you she definitely said. have a standard issue kid who watches peppa i do or did yeah did yeah so anyway it's flatter than most tortoises and turtles but their shells are not as sturdy so their mechanism for protecting themselves is sliding into like rocks and crevices and stuff which they're able to do better than any other tortoise because again they're flat like they just like the shell isn't domed as much okay um and there's there she wrote um an extensive paper about it i'll talk about in just a minute but it has to do with kind of just how the the pieces of the shell come together and it's anyway Um, it's also the fastest tortoise which is good for it because it has to run away and hide oh yeah pull up on its shell and hope predators get tired of trying to like crack it open right right so Joan wrote an extensive paper it was like 40 plus pages on the species I requested it and got it and did not read all of it but looked at it Mm -hmm. Um, it's really detailed she has drawings she has measurements from a bunch of tortoises Um, she had x-ray plates I read she actually used equipment at the Middlesex Hospital to examine them wow like very very detailed lots of drawings Um, she characterized just about everything possible you could like think to characterize about it and um anyway it's just kind of impressive how she presents her work but it's kind of funny because we take for granted that we can find out a lot of information quickly about any like if I want to know about Komodo dragons I just google it right I googled like, at just least three googled, things
0: while we were sitting here right
1: and yeah. we just like know it but like back then they didn't have like extensive amounts of information on all these things so someone who had to sit there like someone had to sit there and take the time to put it together and like write about them and kind of gather all that knowledge of what we do know about them so I thought that was really interesting yeah so I talked about those two animals and some of the papers because she wrote a paper on the Komodo dragons as well Mm -hmm. Um, she had a lot of papers and I'm just going to read a few titles for you because oh my favorite part yeah on a collection of reptiles and batrachians from the island of Saram Indo-Australian archipelago oh fancy on the variation of the scapula in the book batrachian groups aglossa and arcifera
0: okay Un- so the scapula is the shoulders uh-huh right and uh-huh. batrachians are frogs so uh, yeah i bet frogs has some interesting shoulders with all that jumping around that creeps yeah. out Brenna so much
1: unrecorded characters seen in living snakes and description of a new tree frog mm. yeah why so, do you put that anyway. in the same
0: paper i feel like you would I know out. well
1: she did that again like on a collection of reptiles and batrachians like why not separate I don't know I don't know but it does show that she also dealt with amphibians so you know yeah but you get the point um there's a ton of she wrote a ton of stuff so many of her papers have things to do with animals that came from places I can't pronounce so yeah you know but basically a lot of Joan's work involved researching describing classifying reptiles amphibians um oftentimes from collections of like other scientists and separate she didn't travel She was too sick to go anywhere, basically. So it would be things that she had access to or other people that came back and had done a lot of work and and then brought back species and specimens for a study or whatever. Gotcha. It seems like um, the years from 1917 to 1923 were like her most prolific years for writing mm-hmm. um, but I think that's because she was at the British Museum and she had the time and probably resources to do it. I think mm-hmm. like when she gets over to London Zoo she's different responsibilities I think she's busier you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but she still has papers from the 1924, 25, 26, and so on, but just like there's a lot fewer of them than if you look at her papers from like the se- seven She was
0: doing her like academic research at the museum and then she was doing more yeah, practical maybe, stuff yeah, at the sure. at the zoo. Yeah. Um, so anyway, in
1: 1923, as Mikey mentioned, she gets into the Linnaean Society, which again named after Carl Linnaeus. He's a big guy in terms of he's like the father of taxonomy. He you is. Know? but i have to i alluded to this i taxonomy is is lame i have no use for it i don't care classes like i have students that take these biology classes and they're like studying and it's like they got to know the kingdom and the phylum and the genus and the species kingdom phylum
0: class order family genus species
1: blah 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 so many things and i'm like i couldn't care like literally could not care less about this stuff
0: well um, see, and what's interesting is that like once you get to chordata like everything's cord- like we're chordates fish are chordates reptiles are chordate I mean when you get to chordata it's like yeah you know
1: so I just I'm not a big fan so I'm like well yay but good good for you I don't really care also I, I really don't like I oftentimes and biologists don't at me but a lot of biology to me felt like, here, just memorize all these things. And I don't want to memorize all the things.
0: Oh, yeah. No, that's what biology is. Biology, when I, because I teach, because I teach biology, chemistry, and physics to my high school students.
1: Mm-hmm. And I tell
0: my biology students, I'm like, if you're a memorizer, you're going to love this class. There's no yeah. math in it. You just got to memorize all the vocabulary. All, all the literally all of the vocabulary. And Physics just, yeah. is... Mm, like you, you got to think of physics as, you know, all those things that make total sense to you because you do it every day, like gravity and moving and stuff. We're going to put a lot of complicated math to that to make it hard. Yeah. And then chemistry is, can you eat it? Does it explode?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And yeah. the studies thereof. Yeah. Less uh-huh. memorizing in chemistry and physics though.
1: There is a lot less, which is probably why I gravitated towards it and only Mm -hmm. took one biology class uh, in my entire college career. So, you know, you're a chemist, so that's what I would expect. And it was not a great class for me. Anyway, so, and I don't know, maybe because I don't understand it, maybe that's why there's 11,000 species or something of reptiles. I don't know, you know. No, there really
0: probably is more like 200, but they've busted a whole bunch out for some some ridiculous reason.
1: I don't know maybe the database is wrong, but I don't know. Anyway, I'm glad there were people like Joan who were super into classification and all that great stuff, because like, I'm not doing that. No. Okay, so what was Joan getting up to at the London Zoo besides like strolling around with her dragon? So um, actually, even at the British Museum, she was tapping into another skill set of hers, which I like to call arts and crafts yeah so um she made models she made display cases and such of the like for the museum and apparently also painted different reptiles and amphibians which were apparently made into postcards and like sold at the museum yeah um so when she went over to the zoo to help out her pal eddie he was as you mentioned working on the aquarium design so she helped him by building models for the tanks Mm. that they were going to put in and then she also worked on designing backgrounds and like rock work and such used in the exhibits cool in a 1924 article in nature on the london um zoological society's aquarium she even gets mentioned um it says quote, the decorative rock work in the tanks has been copied in natural stone in accordance with models made to scale in plasticine by Miss Joan B. Proctor, the curator of reptiles. Mm, thank oh, thank yeah, She you. even got like a mention, a mention. in the 1924 yeah. article of nature. So that's a big deal that that's they gave thing. her any credit. That is a big deal. Yeah. Um, she continued to do design work for other outdoor areas of the zoo, notably the Antelope Paddock and models for the Monkey Hill rock structures. Fun fact, I read they put baboons on Monkey Hill and then controlling the baboons became problematic. So it yeah. became a goat hill for a time after that. And then it was finally demolished. But yeah, Wow. they had to replace the baboons with goats because baboons are mean and will rip your face off, y'all. Like
0: they will kill you immediately.
1: Like they don't even think twice about it.
0: They are violent and they will kill you immediately. They're like Karen the emu. <laughs> if, you if you guys don't know who Karen the emu is, it's not safe for kids. But At go all. follow Useless Farm on Facebook or on Instagram because like there is a very lovely woman in Canada with a farm and she has a chicken Full named Brad, animals. a rooster named Brad and uh-huh. an emu named Karen. And there's really cute llamas too and a duck named Paul. But either way, Karen will murder you.
1: <laughs> Karen might, yeah. And to so it feels like regularly.
0: Karen and the baboons yeah. would have gotten along because baboons yeah. will kill you.
1: And then in 1926 to 1927, the reptile house that was built was Joan's design. And apparently it was the first reptile house ever built, like Mm -hmm. as a reptile house. Like it was built for the purpose of housing reptiles, right? It wasn't like someone
0: had a a baboon exhibit and was like, you know what? This is a terrible (laughs) idea. Let's get some things in here.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, But it was fancy. So for example, consider her description of the enclosure for the Komodo dragons. They live in a large enclosure of natural shingle and soil planted with living palm trees and provided with a cave, rocks, and a swimming pool. A great deal of care has been exercised to provide proper climatic conditions. The roof is of Vita glass, transparent to ultraviolet light, and Vita lamps for artificial sunlight are installed uh, together with two large floodlight lamps. Dull heat radiators of the beam type are also fixed in all this apparatus, which is invisible to the public. Um, is protected by massive steel bars and she goes on and whatever, but, um, Vita glass was actually, I looked this up was like a new invention at the time. Mm -hmm. There was a paper on it. I couldn't get access to it, but, um, from what I could tell, vita glass was basically designed but differently than other glass and like the way they was produced to make sure the uv light was going to get through oh. because uv light would make the reptiles happy right yeah what they need the sunlight but they also like that makes them happy yeah um and so i think the vital lamps were also like in that same vein of being able to provide like you know yeah. i think they were kind of like cutting edge of like sun lamps like today it's like uh, like those things exist but Um, it was kind of like an early version of that but like all of that stuff were jones ideas awesome like the heaters the light and everything like she had the idea of like you need to try to replicate their environment to make them happy you can't just turn it up we're not getting it we're not getting into zoo ethics because i don't want to go there but like if you are going to keep animals in a zoo
0: You can't just turn it up to 70 degrees and expect a a Komodo dragon to be happy. Like you should, you should do what you can to emulate climate.
1: Right. Yeah. I also read that she was involved with the African rock pythons and she helped breed and raise several to maturity. Wow. But I couldn't really find a whole lot else on that, you know. I don't know. Maybe she found a home for her crocodile too. I have no idea. I, I really want to know what happened to the crocodile.
0: I want to know what happened after she died. Who had to clean out her stuff? Cause she wasn't married. Did Eddie go do it? Probably. I feel like he would have, you know, probably. like her colleagues and, and who got the completely unen- unen- unenviable task of dealing with the pythons that she kept in her drawing room.
1: Yeah, I you know? know. Right. I yeah. don't know. I mean, they just probably took them over to the zoo. and I they think probably so. Care. Yeah um so yeah otherwise she was like taking care of the animals providing medical care um like she would just try some stuff on like the animals I could not find any really documented medical procedures any kind of information but I did read that like you know that kid's book that calls her the dragon doctor she I mean one she worked on Sumbawa, right Mm -hmm. but that she would just try like to help the animals if they were sick or needed tending to um and so yeah okay so I didn't I'm just I saved this for the end because I really didn't know where to put this but I promised you a story about Johnny yes okay so I found an address to the Linnaean Society by a woman named Miss Dulcie Gray and it was about butterflies and I didn't read the whole thing because I have no idea why she was I I have no idea but Lepidoptera but she gives some of her backstory and her BFF apparently was Eddie Bollinger oh Joan's friend Eddie so she wrote Mr. Bollinger would invite Johnny, a pet chimpanzee who belonged to Joan Proctor, who had decorated the snake cages and aquarium, to tea. When Johnny was coming, Mr. Bollinger would blow up a balloon, paint a face on it, put a hat on it, tie it to a coat hanger on which he had hung a jacket, and arrange this scarecrow in a chair. Johnny would chatter with excitement when he saw it, but before he was allowed to play with it, he had to sit at a table with a bib tied round his neck and have his tea, which consisted of a banana when he was allowed down he made little clicking noises grinned circled the room and drew closer and ever ever closer to the balloon man at last he'd reached it and with extreme caution jabbed at it with his finger and leapt back as it exploded he seemed to love the joke joan proctor also kept a cat and a snake and we were told that all three spent the night on her bed sadly she so, would well, go ahead i'll finish the quote we have a lot to discuss there's a lot of so to many things to here. discuss. Well, let me just get okay. sadly when she went on a long visit to america johnny died of a broken heart
0: yes very sad anyway
1: <laughs> i mean i didn't, didn't we, we talk, talk about the fact america? that her did pet she, she, wait, wait wait, wait be... time, out. time out did she do did she travel i thought she didn't travel but she went on a long visit to america What's, we, and what's long to a chimpanzee? Feel- three minutes, four weeks. I <laughs> and know. we don't really know much about her life, like outside, like her personal life. So anyway, okay. So there's that. She kept a cat and a snake. That, and we were told that all three spent the night on her bed. Is what this woman wrote.
0: No, my concern <laughs> is with the fact that there is a chimpanzee that you have in your house that gets its kicks by blowing up someone's head. Doesn't that does that concern anybody else? That this chimpanzee is like, I'm going to make this guy's head literally explode. Watch this. And then laugh about it after like, he, like, I'm he's, willing, a re- he's willing to play the silly a real game good boy of having good manners just so he can murder someone. I don't feel like <laughs> that's the kind of pet. So again, once again, Joan just simply refusing to have normal pets. She might as well have yeah. had baboons.
1: Yeah, I don't know if that was like, Mr. B's idea of like, hey, you know, it'd be really funny is if we let Johnny come to tea and we did this thing, or did she like? Tr- I I don't know. It doesn't, again, this it was doesn't like a very random he, piece of information stuck in the middle of something else. I have no idea what it was about, other than it was like about butterflies. But this is the only context. I have no other context for this. Well, just, just like we don't have context gray. for
0: the bear that had paint on it. Why was this bear painted? Did yeah. it just stumble into some paint? I yeah we don't know. Yeah. I'd, I want someone to do an actual biography of this woman, please. Because oh my gosh, what was going know. on? What was going on? What was going on in the early 1900s? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. Can you
0: imagine, can you imagine if Johnny the chimp and Ramsey's the crocodile would have teamed up? Because now you've got a psychopathic chimpanzee riding around <laughs> London on a giant crocodile. <laughs>
1: I mean, he could have just ridden around on Zimbabwe.
0: He could have just ridden around in the electric wheelchair with (laughs) Zimbabwe. Now we're back to horrifying things that should never happen.
1: I knew you'd like that little tidbit that I found, but I, again, I didn't really have a good place to put it. So that
0: that was, that was fabulous. So I appreciate
1: that. So, um, yeah, that's about all I got on reptiles and such of the like for you
0: that's great. I learned so much. And again, and and you all can see now why Komodo dragons are my favorite. They're amazing. So, so, all right. I have some more to say about the reptile house, just a little blurb, but I'm, I'm thinking that's for legacy. So you're ready ready to talk about what, what legacy Joan has left us.
1: Yeah, for sure. All right.
0: Let's take a quick break. So let's talk about why Joan is a BA. I mean, working for free doesn't qualify as something BA, but it was BA that she did it because she really loved reptiles. Um and she had lots of other BA moments for sure, right?
1: Um yeah, I think so. I mean having the pets she had to me kind of elevates her to BA status because sure. I don't want any of those pets. <laughs>
0: no, I don't. I do not, not want none any of them. Those. No. None
1: of them that we heard. Oh well, I mean I guess the cat would have been all right. Yes. But not a cat and a snake at the same time sleeping in my bed.
0: No. So. Along with a chimpanzee who thinks that blowing up heads is funny, (laughs) that's a no.
1: There are actually two reptiles that have Joan's name associated with, like bear her name. And so I have to say a lot of words now that I'm going to 100% butcher. Just and we can
0: blame Carl Linnaeus because this is his naming system. You
1: know what? Yeah. Okay, so one was named in 1922 for her by a guy named Arthur Loveridge, and it's a snake originally known as the, well, when he named it for her, named as Geodipsis proctere, but now is the Buhoma proctere. I don't know why. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's too much okay. for me to try to figure out, okay? Anyway, but Procter, proctere, that's, you know, he wrote in New Reptiles from Tanganyika territory. The Opisthoglyphus snake, and lacertid lizard here described occurred in collections of reptiles made in East Africa during 1920. In naming this new snake after Miss J. Proctor, FZS, I wish to testify to her kindness in examining the dentition of this and other specimens and in reading over the proofs.
0: Oh, that was nice. So to thank her for looking at teeth, he named one after her.
1: Oh, so couldn't find a picture of this, but I found one of a related Bohoma something or other. And it was kind of cute for a snake. I mean, as far as snakes go, again, yeah. You know. If
0: it doesn't have those tiny legs, it's not as cute as our as
1: mole lizard. Mole I know, lizard, yeah. That's like our new official mascot. Okay, put um, a lab coat on it and see how we feel about it. Oh yeah, somebody get a mole lizard picture. Draw a cute cartoon mole lizard. Put a little lab coat on it. And it can go with it's like it can go with our
0: fact ninja because I'm working on our fact ninja art too. A little ninja in okay. a lab coat, you know, like
1: so yeah. our fact ninja
0: can have a pet mole lizard. So
1: hit us up with that, okay? Yeah. Um, and then the other reptile named after Joan is the Testudo proctere, which also has a lot of synonyms because I don't understand naming and why species get six thousand names. And you what said testudo, you know. testudo. Oh um, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, um, but it's also known as. Vex hingeback tortoise, mm-hmm. but the hingeback tortoise is also in the same family as the pancake tortoise. Yeah, that makes so sense. it's fitting to name this tortoise after donors which is why I spent a little bit of time talking about the pancake tortoise. pancake tortoise tortoise. Mm-hmm. Which again, you can see baby pancake tortoises at the Reptile House at the Cincinnati Zoo. No, I can't. I can see them at the Reptile House <laughs> because that's how we say it.
0: <clears throat> yeah. So, I mean video, I promise.
1: Yeah. so I mean, I had never heard of uh, Joan Proctor until you mentioned her or, like you listed her as one of our bas. Mm-hmm. but I mean, if you can't get behind a lady with a ton of dangerous pets who were not the reason for her early demise, uh, I don't know what's wrong with you.
0: Yeah, can we talk about the fact that she did not die from yeah. venom or yeah. sepsis right or a chimpanzee getting, ripping your face or, off or a chimpanzee trying to explode her head <laughs> or lit or getting squeezed to death by a python she got yeah. too friendly with like yeah no the fact that cancer like it's it's actually tragic it, because yeah. well because like when steve Irwin died he died doing something that he loved
1: mm-hmm. and
0: he was and he was always around dangerous animals and mm-hmm. he didn't I even blame the, the animal you know what right. i mean he took those risks so It kind of made, I don't want to say made sense, but it kind of made sense.
1: Like no one was surprised to hear that he died from an encounter with a dangerous animal.
0: Exactly. That's, that's what I'm trying to, to express there. And, and I'm surprised that Joan didn't die from an encounter with a phenomenally dangerous animal. So, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty BA. Um, And of course, like having a couple of reptiles named after you is I think that's pretty big deal. Pretty good, Um, especially because it was for. Hey, thanks for looking at his teeth. I'm gonna name this one after you. Like that's, I think that's like a cool way to say thanks. Yeah. In the science world, you know. And the the reptile house in London Zoo still exists to this day, and it's actually very famous. It had a burst in in popularity popularity and popularity, uh, right around the time of Harry Potter. Now, I did allude to this in our very first segment back way back when we were introducing our podcast for the day so there was an artist named george alexander and he carved reptiles into the stone on the reptile house entrance and he also sculpted a marble bust of joan and you can see it and we're going to post a picture but you can see it there to this day it's still there and it it lives right there in the reptile house so Alexander's reptiles are really cool. And the bust is a really good likeness of her. Like if you look at pictures of her and if you look at the bust, it's a well, it's, it's a well-done likeness.
1: Okay.
0: So the reason all of that got so popular is that in the very first Harry Potter movie and in the very first Harry Potter book, Harry goes before he knows he's a wizard, he goes to the zoo because it's Dudley's birthday and he never gets to go anywhere, but he got to go to the zoo. and So he goes up to this enclosure where there's a snake and he makes the glass disappear and the snake gets out and slithers around the floor. And then like, you know, this snake escapes, right? It was Nagini, right? Mm,
1: I, that is the popular tradition. Okay.
0: She never, maybe that was in the
1: movie. They kind of made that she never the association s-
0: yes but that was not
1: not necessarily
0: okay it's, it's been a hot know. minute
1: since i've read all the harry potters so. yes
0: i'm reading of them to the kids now ah, and so okay. if there's never been an association okay. officially but okay. that's the popular thought i see um so they filmed that scene in jones reptile house actually in the reptile house it was really filmed there um you can see a shot of the exterior of the reptile house reptile in london did they say reptile i don't know know. because the guy that said it in the video is not british
1: no he's not either way tortoise would you go see a tortoise at the reptile reptile house Mm, I don't know. About Do we that. have any British listeners? And if so, please, please weigh let in. us know how you pronounce R-E-P-T-I-L-E. Yes. Okay.
0: Either way, a shot of the exterior of that particular building Um, with Alexander's, George Alexander's carvings are all around it is shown in the film. And then the scene with the snake was filmed inside. That was filmed inside. So I'm sure they've probably updated all of the enclosures since the time of Joan, but some of those rocks might be rocks that she painted. Some of that scenery might be stuff that she had a hand in. I don't know. I don't know how often they have to like renew that stuff, but Joan and her reptile house, Joan's reptile house was a feature in Harry Potter, so there you go, nice.
1: yeah, pretty or cool, which is a
0: pretty good legacy. So, I think say. so, yeah. So, uh, sources
1: I'm really not going to read out any of mine, we'll just post them because pretty much all of mine are really long titles of scientific papers, yeah. So, um, I mean, I did use the National Zoo, I mentioned the Smithsonian National Zoo, I used a couple books, um, the one that has the uh you know, gnarly bite pictures or whatever. I'll kind of put a little warning on that one just in case anyone actually does look these things up. Yeah, good. Um, And uh, yeah, so I'm not gonna, and I mentioned, of course, Joan Proctor, Dragon Doctor by Patricia Valdez. I don't know if I ever said that, but it's by Patricia Valdez. Mm -hmm. It's very cute. Like I said, I read it to my six-year-old. She liked it. And they do have some pictures of Joan and her life and stuff in the back, which is kind of cool to see. So if you can check that out do it um but yeah i I really like mine are just a ton of yeah my sources are
0: mostly websites because like i said there aren't there isn't a you know 12 chapter right biography on her that you know there there just isn't i couldn't find anything like that um the one of my websites the nature.com article was the obituary from eddie who was dr b's son so that I listed as one of mine. And um, I, I listed where I got the information on landscape maintenance and garden stewardship. So that's on there too. But, but yeah, it was just a bunch of um, various sites. It was usually like the Lillian Society put something out when she died. And, you know, like the zoo put something out when she died. So mm-hmm. those sites had some more information on her, but a lot of it was the same. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, so those were, those were my sources.
1: All right. Yeah,
0: You ready to tease next week? I guess. Um, I know you're gonna, thrilled about who we're working with. I'm not
1: going to lie. I hate this guy. It's a yeah. dude. I mean, I don't hate the guy, I don't think. But I have questions of why we're talking about him in a BA episode, not a BS episode. So
0: yeah. upon Upon further research, since we're mispronouncing things today, upon further research... It is surprising oh. that he did not land in BS, but maybe m- maybe our listeners will feel differently about him after we present the story of this guy.
1: I feel like even you think he gets some credit for things, and I'm just really anti this person.
0: You are very anti this person. I am, I am more on the train where he had a wild life and his legacy
1: is outrageous maybe because i didn't didn't research any of like his life stuff i just read about all of his non-science yeah 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 Yeah. so i don't know guys it'll be an interesting one it will it'll be very interesting i think the only other like there's not really a good that doesn't let you know who it is at all he got credit for a lot of things that he didn't actually do Or I feel like it's debatable that he did. Or it's
0: questionable.
1: Yeah. But there's a, I I could say this, maybe this would help at least locate him a little bit geographically. There's a translational problem in that so much of his writings or work or what have you uh, is not in a language that I can read or even pretend to try to translate Mm -hmm. and makes it maybe more difficult for me to get behind it because I don't have access to anything I can really read firsthand. Okay, that's, that is good. That is a helpful hint. So yeah, tell us who your guesses are
0: and uh, don't miss it because like I said, I think next week's gonna be, it's gonna be a wild episode. Yeah. We'll see. Oh, trust me. When you hear about his life, you'll okay. see. You'll okay. see. All right. So, all right. Well, that's all I've got for this week. All right. All right, then until next time, live dangerously, do science.